From the transfer portal to why on earth did A.J. Hogard decide to stay? What did Michigan State basketball have to say at Big Ten Media Days? And then we are joined by Greg Petuto of On the Banks, a Rutgers blog, to talk about this Saturday's game. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked On Spartans listeners cannot thank you enough for making us part of your day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Matt Sheehan. If you ever want to reach out, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of us. Or on Twitter, Sheehan underscore sports. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And that takes care of the housekeeping. Let's get into the show here. We're going to start on the basketball court. We're going to get to football in segments two and three with Greg Petuto to talk all things Rutgers. But let's talk about Big Ten Media Days because on Tuesday, our Spartans went over to Minneapolis for a nice afternoon of just talking and talking and talking. And this is something that Tom Izzo and the team has already done this season. They had media availability in East Lansing not too long ago where Izzo said he loves his team. This is going to be a special season. These players are great, but that's stuff we already know. What are some things that they talked about on Tuesday that we do not already know? Well, hey, this is going to shock you, everyone. Uh, Tom Izzo decided to talk about the transfer portal. That's right. Give his thoughts. And if this seems like the 517th time that we are doing this rendition of this song and dance, well, it it's probably why. Because anytime he's asked about it, oh, boy. Uh, yes, Mr. Izzo will discuss his thoughts on the transfer portal. Now. The thing he took issue with this time around is the comparison that, hey, you know what? You know how coaches can leave whenever they want and go to different schools? Now the players have the freedom to do that. Now they're just like the coaches. Tom Izzo took a little issue with that. He did not like that comparison and said, quote, I have millions of dollars of a buyout if I leave. I've paid 40 years of dues to leave. Most coaches have put in their time. Most coaches will be doing that at 35 and 40 and 50 and not at 20 when one guy tells you you have to leave because you're unhappy. Obviously pointed to the financial constraints if coaches leave. The buyout for coaches, whereas the players, there's no contract. They can't just get up and leave and just go all hunky-dory to the next school as if nothing happened and also putting time into a place. Now, uh, apologies from Tom Izzo for, you know, a guy that's been at Michigan State essentially since he was born, has some thoughts on guys leaving a little too early once the slightest sign of adversity pops up. You guys have already probably known this about Tom Izzo, that that is why for a few other reasons he doesn't like the transfer portal, that guys get up and leave too early once they are unhappy, just for one second at practice. So also, what other quote did he have to say? Maybe one of my favorite quotes that he will ever say, a quote that I already have on my Twitter feed right now. It's my new little uh, profile picture, whatever you call it. Anyway, you know what? What's wrong with being unhappy, he says. I'm unhappy most of my life. Unhappy drives you. Unhappy pushes you. Unhappy makes people realize, you know what? I'm not good enough. I've got to get better. I love that. And you can take that quote far beyond just, you know, transfer portal stuff and his rambling about, you know, kids leaving too early. I just love that quote in general. 
Don't get too content. Oh, you're a little upset? Well, do something about it. Make it drive you. God, I just love Tom Izzo, love all of his quotes, but that one, that's going to be the top of the list here. Anyway, back to his complaints about the transfer portal. He also wants a 30-day window. Right now, it's a 45-day window once the transfer portal opens, and he brought up that for coaches, like that kind of leads to some issues as far as rostering goes. You're sitting around for a month and a half wondering, okay, I, we're in limbo. Are guys going to stay? Are they going to go? I need to know who I have on my team to take care of the guys that are already on my team and to know if I need to start looking for other players. So he wants that shortened to a 30-day window. Now, what do I agree with amongst all this with Tom Izzo? I agree that, yeah, I, too many kids do enter the portal. I think that is an indisputable fact. And what he also pointed out, lower graduation rates, because I mean, there are some times where these credits don't transfer over to the next school or also, and this is an important one. This was pointed out in the Myron Metcalf of ESPN piece that highlighted all these quotes by Tom Izzo that only nine, or sorry, not only 19% of kids that entered the portal did not get a scholarship elsewhere. So if they're at a division one school, they entered the portal looking for another place to go on scholarship. One out of five kids did not get a scholarship. And like, that's, that's a big number. Like that is 20, or it's literally 19%, but that is one out of five kids. Like that, that is a problem in college basketball. So yes, I know that Tom Izzo is painted as this old curmudgeon man who doesn't like the new ways. And I, I think he's painted like that because he's the only coach that speaks about it as often as someone does. But he, he has points, everyone. Like, one out of five kids going into the portal rushing to leave their current school to go find greener pastures, and it doesn't work out one out of five times, that is an issue, whether you guys like Tom Izzo or not. like that, He's bringing up really good points. Now, of course, there are certain circumstances where, yeah, it just does make sense for a kid to leave. I think we just saw it here in East Lansing, actually, with Pierre Brooks. I think after two years here, I think it's pretty clear that things were not going to work out, whether it be style of play or just performance on the court. I think he needed greener pastures. All right. And this is a guy that put in some time here before he bolted to Butler. But I think a change of scenery for Pierre Brooks made sense. Again, case by case basis. But sometimes, yeah, it, it does work. All right. Now, it wasn't just all about the transfer portal that Tom Izzo was uh, talking about at Big Ten Media Days. He also talks about the players on his team as well. And let's talk about two young players. Jeremy Fears is the first one that we are going to highlight here. And, you know, he just compared him to Mateen Cleaves when he talked about Jeremy Fears last week in East Lansing. And he also doubled down on that in Minneapolis saying, Jeremy Fears, I think, is one of the best leaders as a freshman that I've ever had. And I've had a couple of really good ones. Only a couple because there aren't many like that. And we're feeling good about our stock at Jeremy Fears, and I'm not going to act like this is some grandiose take, and I beat everyone to this one, thinking that Jeremy Fears is going to be special here in East Lansing. I mean, God, the kid's a McDonald's All-American. He's a four-star or a five-star, depending on what recruiting site that you look at. But yeah, we've put a lot of eggs in our Jeremy Fears basket going into his career at Michigan State, and before he even takes a dribble during a regulation game, Tom Izzo, you know, a guy who famously talks so highly about his players in front of the media. Tom Izzo is all in on the Jeremy Fears experience. So, no, I don't think Fears is going to be good. I don't think he's going to be great in East Lansing. I think he is going to be special in East Lansing. Special. The only other guys that I would call that under Tom Izzo in the point guard position, Mateen Cleaves, the guy that won the natty, and then Cassius Winston. 
And I don't think that's prisoner of the moment just because he's the most recent point guard. That was great here. I, I truly think those are your two special point guards. You could, of course, make an argument for Kalen Lucas as well, but I think Fierce is going to have a dynamite career here. Now let's talk about the highest ranked recruit in this class, Mr. Xavier Booker. Tom Izzo talked about, hey, he's never had a skill set combined with a body like that. Talking about his wingspan, his height, how he can shoot and everything. But also talked about his family and how his family is getting him ready for this season. He said, quote, he's a very good athlete. He has adjusted pretty well to college. The banging has been something we all knew he had to get better at, but I give a lot of credit to his mom and dad because they knew that. The day he got out of school, they wanted him up here lifting and getting better. Xavier has been a treat to coach, to be honest with you. And he talked about, you know, how he's not coming in here. Hey, guys, I'm a five-star. I'm entitled to everything. Like, no, he has lauded Xavier Booker for his work ethic so far this season. So while last week he echoed a lot of things we've been saying this offseason about Xavier Booker is that, yes, he is very highly rated. He has a sky-high ceiling, but it might take a while to get to that ceiling. So just be a little patient. Of course, I'm paraphrasing what Tom Izzo said, but be patient with Xavier Booker just a little bit. But he does have the work ethic, all right? He is built different than, you know, a lot of other kids that are this highly rated that just think that it's all God-given and aren't going to put in the work. Like, no, he's he's hitting the ground running. And also, really quick, on retirement, quote, some people tell me they love retirement. Others tell me, quote, never retire. Right now, I'm leaning towards the second one. So Tom Izzo, he is here for a Pope sentence or a Supreme Court justice sentence. He is, he is here until he croaks. And even then, I, I would not be surprised if he's just still finding a way to coach after all of that. Now, there is one quote from a player that I do want to pull out here. This is from A.J. Hogard, who also talked about how big of a chip he has on his shoulder going into the season. What I, I want to talk about is him returning to the program. And I think this is something that we all kind of figured once he put his name in the NBA draft, is that he was just going to get evaluated, come back here, and enjoy a nice season in East Lansing. But let's hear it from himself, because he also went into his his and Izzo's relationship a little bit as well, saying, quote, just every day learning from the guy sitting next to me. Tom Izzo was sitting next to him for this one. It's wonderful. We had our ups and downs, but just being able to know that he trusts me and I trust him just growing together. The growing process that we've been through has been fun. It's had its ups and downs. It wasn't always good, but it's definitely been fun. And then Tom Izzo shortly after echoes all that saying, yeah, we do have our differences because you're supposed to have differences as the point guard. You're the quarterback of this team. Having strong opinions how things should go are something that just happened with a head coach point guard relationship, especially with a guy as hard to play for as Tom Izzo. And that's something Tom Izzo admitted too. that. Yeah, he is very, very hard to play for. So Yes, well, it might drive us up an absolute wall to see Hogard and Izzo kind of going back and forth, and you see the body language on the bench sometimes. I know I cried about it after that Big Ten tournament game when they lost to Ohio State where it looked like they wanted to swing at each other, uh, but it, that's just life. That's just life as a point guard under Tom Izzo, and one day, maybe the 17th time it happens, I will finally learn that and just understand that, oh, that's just that's just how things work in East Lansing. All right, we're going to focus our eyes on this upcoming football game with Greg Petuto of On the Banks here in a hot segment. First, need to talk your ear off about FanDuel Sportsbook. Gang, step into the NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet. Yes, you heard that right. $200 in bonus bets, win or lose with just a $5 bet. 
If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. Wide range of betting options for every single game like spreads, player props, over-unders, or hey, go ahead, dive headfirst in one of my favorites. Just the same game parlays. Bet some over-unders with players. Combine it with the spread. Have yourself a hoot and a half on NFL Sundays or this Saturday. That's right. Michigan State right now sitting at plus five and a half against Rutgers. So if you're feeling spicy about our Spartans, go to FanDuel right now and place a wager on the green and white. Visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown and kick off the NFL season. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash lockdown. It's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, we welcome back onto the show. That's right, friend of the program. This is our Rutgers correspondent here. It is Greg Petuto, does great work over at On the Banks of SB Nation, covering all things Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Before we get into this Saturday's game, Greg, how on earth are you doing over there, my man? Are you doing okay? Uh, doing well, Matt. Can't complain. How's everything over there? We're here, you know, by definition, we we are surviving and we are here right now. But, uh, hey, things can change this Saturday, depending on how the outcome of the game goes. But, Greg, let's rewind the clock here a little bit. The last time we spoke was in the winter before our Spartans took on your Scarlet Knights in a rock fight at Madison Square Garden. You guys yes, came away yes. with the victory right there. But heavens to Betsy, uh, that was ugly. That was nasty. So, Greg, my first question is, what is going to be uglier, that game at Madison Square Garden or heavens, uh, th this upcoming game Saturday in Piscataway on the gridiron here? What's going to be uglier, you think? Well, that game at Madison Square Garden, a bittersweet for Rutgers fans because that was that was the game Mawat Mag tore his ACL, missed the rest of the season. Yeah. Big, big loss for them in that game, but they came away with a win. I think this answer is pretty clear, though. I think this Saturday's game, <laughs> Rutgers-Michigan State, it, it should be an ugly one. It's yeah. a game that both teams think that they could win, though. So I guess that's the good news yeah. going from both sides. We both love our teams, obviously. But I, I got to say, I think we could both agree that, like, this game was made for noon kickoff on Big Ten Network. Like, when you just think dreary October day, noon on Big Ten Network, like, th this is the kind of football that you're expecting here. So it's it's it's, it's going to be something, Craig. I don't know, man. It's... Yeah, it's not the game that most – it's not a game that uh, college football fans around the country are going to tune into, but if you're a fan of either yeah. side, you'll be watching it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll watch every single snap, every single minute. I I mean, for some sick reason, I cannot wait for this game coming up here. But let's just talk about what this game would mean for Rutgers because, look, I, I think it's pretty obvious what this game means for Michigan State. There are four games that I think are winnable on this schedule. It's the Rutgers game, Minnesota game, Nebraska game, Indiana game. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be negative, Nancy, but I just don't see the Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan game going Michigan State's way. We need to win all four of those winnable games to get to bowl eligibility. Over there, though, you guys are sitting at a nice four and two right now in Piscataway. What would a win mean for this program over there? You know, you mentioned the winnable games, and for Rutgers, this mm -hmm. is a, a huge game because, in my opinion, there's only two left on the schedule for Rutgers, being this Michigan State game and then next okay. week at Indiana. They finish with the Penn State, the Ohio State, and uh, Maryland last game of the season. Rutgers fans, that's a, a rivalry close to home, but Maryland mm -hmm. is just – they've been impressive over the past couple of years. Hasn't been a good matchup. And then Rutgers also has a matchup with Iowa. And anybody who who knows me has listened to me. I'm not an Iowa fan offensively, but I don't, <laughs> trust, I don't trust this Rutgers offense to be able to score any points against, you know, a defense like Iowa. So I wouldn't even put that in the win column just yet, so – when you look at Rutgers, their schedule, this is a must win if they want to get to that bowl game, in my opinion. So this is the one that 
really means everything. I had it as a swing game coming in, and I oh, still yeah. have it as a swing game on the schedule. A lot of similarities over here in East Lansing. No question about it, uh, whether we like it here or not. Um, this is a question that I use quite frequently with a lot of guests here, and I think it really resonates this week because the line comes out, the gambling line that is, comes out on FanDuel at Michigan State plus five-point underdogs here. Obviously, that means your Scarlet Knights are favored by almost a touchdown. When you see that, I mean, after watching your team for six games, are you thinking, yeah, we're perfect at home so far. We have not lost at home. Our defense is really good. This line makes sense. Or is that line a little bigger than you thought it was going to be? I expect it to move. I don't know if it has yet. But when it first came out, I thought it was a little big. And okay. that's not saying Rutgers is – I mean, uh, Michigan State is, you know, this juggernaut that they that we've seen. Yeah. Um, but just what we've seen from Rutgers in – competitive games I should say they've had their okay. success against a little bit of the the weaker part of the schedule but then we saw what they could be against teams like Michigan Wisconsin so they haven't been able to get any momentum so I think the line obviously favors Rutgers it's a home game it's homecoming yeah. for them take that for what it's worth and kind of a team maybe on an even playing field and also maybe a little public perception of what's been going on around Michigan state that people sure. are kind of jumping on, but I still expect, I got to do a little research, but I expect this number to come back toward Michigan state a little bit. Yeah. It was a little bigger than I thought as well. Um, I talked about it on yesterday's show a little bit. I thought it'd be like Michigan state two and a half point underdogs perhaps, but, and the reason I think that it is a little big because if not for nothing else, Michigan state's defense has been pretty good the last six quarters. I know that's, really like weird way of saying it, but that's just where we are right now. The first half against Maryland, not good. The second half, hey, not bad. And then the Iowa game, well, yeah, wow, color is shocked. A defense did good against Iowa's offense. But, yeah, against your offense, though, how do you guys move the ball over there? Because I had one eye on the Rutgers versus Wisconsin game last week. Gavin Wimsat, not the greatest game from him. How has he been this year for you guys? And do you feel comfortable in him at the quarterback position this upcoming Saturday? How are we feeling? I'd like to see a little more, but that also goes okay. to the play calling with Kirk Rocka's first year over okay. in Piscataway. He's kept it very simple for Gavin Wimsat. And, you know, Gavin's made his his mistakes as a young quarterback. The pick six right before halftime against Wisconsin, and then he threw a bad one on fourth, uh, fourth down against Michigan. They weren't going to win that game, but they were moving. I think yeah. it was still 17-7 at that point, whatever the score was there. But he threw another pick six there, kind of put that game away. They haven't opened it up for him a lot. You know, Rutgers doesn't have a ton of talent on the outside at wide receiver. They've been really relying on their run game. Um, okay. against opponents like Michigan and Wisconsin, I mentioned those games didn't go Rutgers' way, obviously. They were unable to run the ball, and that just that tore everything down. Gavin, he's not at a point where – if he, I shouldn't say the coaches don't trust him because we don't know that for sure, but they're kind of calling the game like they don't trust Gavin and they don't trust the receivers on the outside because they haven't really opened it up, uh, opened it up a lot for him. Interesting. So let's talk about that run game, if that's going to be your bread and butter here. Uh, what is making that click? Is it the offensive line? Is it the running backs are just that good? Or is it some great marriage of, of both working at the same time? Uh, it's a nice combination of both. The offensive line has been pleasant surprise this year. They, It's been a big struggle since Greg Shiano returned in 2020. It's been okay. a really big question mark, and it was a question mark coming in again. They seem to have found a solid foundation there. They're strong in pass protection, but they have been able to open up some holes against, again, opponents that are on their level and maybe a little bit weaker. And Kyle Manunga has been their bell cow in the backfield. You know, he's a tough runner. He's a vertical runner, doesn't really get to the outside much, and Rutgers hasn't shown a lot of that either. So it's a deep running back room for Rutgers. But, again, 
play calling and personnel, we haven't seen a ton of Aaron Young, who came in banged up, but he should be healthy. He's more of a pass catcher out of the backfield. And Samuel Brown, who burst onto the scene as a true freshman last year, hasn't, re- again, got hurt last year, came in a little banged up, but should be healthy. Haven't seen a lot of him either. So what was a deep room is now kind of turned into a one-man show, but that could change at any point. I feel With this play calling, as you can tell, I'm not very confident in it. I, sure. feel, like any- <laughs> I feel like anything's up in the air. <laughs> Aaron Young, isn't that the guy that flipped from Michigan State to Rutgers at like the last minute before signing day? I, I feel like that happened 10 years ago. I, I can't believe he's still around if that's who yeah, I'm thinking yeah. of. Is that, is that him? <laughs> wow. Love that guy. I feel like that happened in 2015. Jesus, that time is time flies. Time is no concept does. over here, man. It is wow, nuts. Um, so really you mentioned it earlier, but like you're not feeling too hot about the pass catching options like receiver or tight end, or is there one that you do think has a lot of untapped potential? They just haven't got him the ball uh, quite as much yet this season. Uh, tight end's really been non-existent over the past couple of years. Okay. And, you know, Johnny Lagan moved to tight end. He's more of just a football player. He's a poli- positionless guy in there. He's a really talented blocker. They use him a lot mm-hmm. in that sense as kind of that sixth offensive lineman. But at wide receiver, I really like Jaquay Jackson personally. He's a Division II transfer, 6'3". He's got all the physical tools. But, again, he, he made a couple big plays this year already. But, again, they haven't really opened it up a lot for him I think he has the potential to be a number one option within this offense and even in the Big Ten to be honest but they haven't really opened it up they've they're kind of spreading the ball around um Christian Dremel you know 5'10 receiver he's used in the slot Ian Strong yeah. is a, Ian Strong's a true freshman for them another big body made some plays but there hasn't really been one guy to to emerge and take over that number one receiver role Gotcha. And okay, so we started the conversation with talk about Rutgers offense because that's one glimmer of hope that us state fans have. Yes. Unfortunately for us in East Lansing, like, wow, your defense has lightened it up so far this season. But before we get to that, Greg, I'm so sorry I have to send you to the bench really quick because I need to talk to people's ears off about LinkedIn jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. So you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to go check out LinkedIn in jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It is so easy that even a schmuck like me can just throw up a job posting with ease. After you do that, add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. It truly is that simple with LinkedIn jobs. Simple tools like screening questions make it super easy to focus on candidates with just right skills and experience so you can can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. It is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So what on earth are you waiting for? LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and my favorite part for free. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That is linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions. You got that right, Buster. They apply. And let's get Greg Petuto of On the Banks back on to the show here. And it's time to talk about the thing that's going to keep me and a lot of state fans up at night as we get closer and closer to kickoff. But heavens to Betsy, uh, your defense is quite something over there in Piscataway. And sure, like, you know, you could point to, hey, Rutgers has only played Wagner, Northwestern, South Brunswick High School. But you guys have also played Wisconsin. You've played Michigan. And while you gave up 31 against Michigan, 24 against Wisconsin, that's still well below their scoring average for the season. So, I mean, it's a good defense. Point blank, Greg, after all that rambling, what's making it click so far? Like, what is the strength of this Rutgers defense? Uh, toughness. Uh, that's the one yeah. thing Rutgers fans love is they love watching this defense because they're tough. They feel like a hard-nosed group. And, again, those numbers 
that you just said against Michigan, Wisconsin, take seven away because there was a pick six in each of those games. So that's right. The defense yep. has been competing at a very high level, and they're really keeping this Rutgers team in games. Again, they, the Michigan game, the Wisconsin game, never felt like Rutgers was going to win the game, mostly because the offense couldn't put together drives. But the defense made the game watchable. It made fans feel like they had a chance there, and that's that's kind of been what they've been doing all year. They've, they've been a real tough group at all three levels. That's how we've been feeling uh, against the Iowa game in the second half against Maryland. Again, we're taking the wins where we could take them over here right now, Greg. But what should state fans be more nervous about when they drop back to pass the ball or when they hand the ball off to run? What is stronger between the pass defense and run defense, in your opinion? Uh, I think the strength is has been the run defense. And again, we've talked. I've talked at length about this Michigan and Wisconsin game. That's just a step up in competition, and they've yeah. been able to take control of that a little bit. But the linebackers are real strong for Rutgers. Muhammad Teres come back and has done a nice job both in the run game and getting to the passer. Um, Deion Jennings, Tyreen Powell, they have a lot of guys there that can plug the holes, and they're strong up front. Uh, Wesley Bailey in the middle, just one name that can do some damage. So the run game for Michigan State, I think, should struggle a little bit. If they can find a little consistency passing, the secondary has been vulnerable at times, but the run defense has been pretty stout. Well, I like hearing that it can be vulnerable at times in the secondary because we expect that a new starting quarterback, Kayton Hauser, will be uh, under center after, well, the first guy, Noah Kim, has kind of fizzled in the last few games. And, hey, what's going to help a new young quarterback? Well, a lot of time in the pocket. Michigan State gave Noah Kim a lot of time in the pocket two weeks ago against Iowa. But what is the story with Rutgers here? What is the pass rush looking like? Is it dangerous? Is it just okay? Or what are we feeling over there? Uh, it's much better than last year, too. So okay. it makes some fans feel a little bit uh, too too strong about it because it was so bad last year. They couldn't get to the quarterback last year. They're gotcha. able to do that this year. Again, I mentioned Mohamed Ture. He's a big factor in that from the linebacker position. But Aaron Lewis has been able to wreck a couple plays. He was a big name coming in that people thought was going to take the next step as one of the you know better edge rushers in the Big Ten. And he's looking the part, another big body with great speed. So they've been able to put pressure. Again, they're not finishing as many plays, as many sacks as they should be but they're putting a lot of pressure on these quarterbacks. So, I mean, not to, you know, make this a full-blown gambling podcast, but from the sounds of it, I think you'd agree with this, that, you know, Michigan State's defense perhaps a little better than Rutgers' offense. And flip-flop that to Rutgers' defense right now a little better than Michigan State's offense. The total right now sits at 43 at FanDuel. Greg, is it just free money to take the under here? I I don't want to give bad advice financially to people, but, like, I, I might just take out the biggest loan at the biggest bank near me and just like throttle it on the under. I, I, that, that's where I'm at right now. At yeah, least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I would, it's not the worst idea. It really isn't. Cause again, I'm not yeah. confident in that they could Rutgers could shut me up and come out and score 30 this week, but I've, I'm not confident this offense could put together consistency enough at all. It's really how it is. And uh, I did try to get myself to believe a little bit in the Wisconsin game um, on yeah, my sure. own. show. I did take the, I did, recommend taking the over in that game I believe it was around the same number 44 and it almost got there with a late touchdown and of course the pick six helped but I don't know I would I would be on your side of saying definitely trend toward the under in this game (laughs) for sure and what kind of a Big Ten podcast would I be if I did not bring up special teams especially in a game like this where it's going to be low scoring field position could be at an absolute premium how are you feeling about the punting the kicking just all things special teams is that something you guys are feeling good about over there um, so, so not as much as in previous years. Adam okay. Corsak's gone, you know, the Ray guy award winner from last yep. year, they had Flynn Appleby waiting in the wings 
And he's done a nice job, you know, not the crazy same style, you know, the Australian punting style that Rutgers has had now for, I think Corsac was there five years and now they have a sixth year of that same style. And as far as the kicky game, it's about what you would expect from a true freshman. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned South Brunswick high school, Jay Patel from South Brunswick, pride of South Brunswick high school. And he he's made, I think, believe he made a 50 yard or 50 plus yarder earlier in the year. He did miss an extra point last week. He's been very, very up and down. So Hopefully this game doesn't come down to, you know, a last second field goal because Rutgers fans really wouldn't know what to expect. <laughs> Let's talk about those Rutgers fans for a second. What has the home field advantage been like so far this year? Because, again, I'll mention this again. You guys are 4-2 overall in the season. All four at home. You guys are protecting the stadium. So is it a raucous atmosphere or, like, what, what kind of, like, death trap is Michigan State walking into this weekend? Yeah, the fans have been great. They've had the student section's been full. The stadium's been full. Okay. And I expect it to be the same thing this weekend. It is homecoming for Rutgers. And, you know, the gr- the rumblings are that Dylan Harper, um, you know, number two recruit in the country for basketball is making his official visit this week. He's been on campus okay. a few times visiting with his brother, uh, Ron Harper Jr., obviously. But they're saying this will be his uh, official visit and that he will be at the game. So if, if nothing else, fans might show up just to to show him a little a little love as he still may await his college decision. But it is homecoming. So it should be another good crowd this weekend. I'm going off script here. I'm sorry to throw this at you, but like, let's just talk basketball. We started the show talking about Michigan State basketball, but just right now, like, how are you feeling about the state of Rutgers basketball right now as we are creeping closer to tip off here of the season? Uh, yeah, fans got to feel great for this season okay. coming up, but also for the future. I mean, that class of yeah. 2024 is what fans are really excited about. They're waiting on Dylan Harper. Yeah. Ace Bailey's committed already. They're, I believe they're the number three class now. It was two for the longest time, but I think Kansas jumped them. And okay. it's just something that. We really haven't seen. Steve Peichel's done a great job. But for this season, it's a, a lot of question marks, but a lot of hope as well. It should be a fast team. Yeah. They've added some three-point shooting. Um, Cliff O'Mori's back in the in the post, which is a big factor, one of the better players in the Big Ten. So um, they were picked 10th from the late, in the latest poll, but gotcha. they, they could finish a lot higher. They could finish 10th. A lot of question marks. It all depends on how they shoot the ball, I think. As long as Peichel's there, it's going to be a scrappy team. I mean, it's going to be oh, yeah. competitive in a lot of these games here. The Pummel Cahey thing. I'm sorry, I'm going way off on a tangent here. We're so far detached from football right now. But Pummel Cahey, he transfers. Over here, I'm thinking, like, wow, that's a shock. But over there, like someone who's neck deep in Rutgers basketball, was that something you saw coming, or was that as surprising to you as it was the rest of us? Yeah, that, it was kind of the rumors coming out, you know, okay. as he finished his fourth year. So I wasn't too surprised to see it. Um, okay. He's going to get a lot more – respect amongst Rutgers and their fans rather than some guy, you know, like Camp Spencer who transferred in that one year and yep. then, you know, flipped right to UConn. So that's yep. uh, something that didn't sit well. And that was a little more out of nowhere than the Paul Mulcahy one. So that one didn't sit well, but yeah, you could kind of see it coming with Mulcahy. He kind of felt like he wanted to go um, out West a little bit. And obviously that's where he landed. Right on. And I will steer this car back to football for the final question here. Does it feel like you guys are already 1-0 against Michigan State this season? Because there was the battle amongst, hey, who gets to say, keep chopping? Who who gets rights to this? And, well, I mean, over there, Shiano is the last man standing between, yeah. you know, him and Mel Tucker. So do you guys already feel like you have the leg up on Michigan State going into this game that you guys won to keep chopping battle? Hey, at this point, fans and the team should take any edge that they can get against anybody. <laughs> so if they're, if they're using that as momentum, that's all it. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's the spirit. All right, well, stay tuned this Saturday, Big Ten Network at noon for the Keep Chopping Bowl. We'll see who gets to formally keep. The, I don't. I don't even know if we want it anymore in East Lansing. I mean, I'm fine with you guys just having it. I mean, I got no issue with Rutgers fans taking it uh, whatsoever. But Greg, as always, th this is a, a great time. Um, I will try to drag you back on here for basketball season for our matchups coming up this season. But uh, until then, anything you want to shout out? Anything you want to plug before we let you go and enjoy the rest of your week? Just uh, keep following on the banks. That's where you can find all of my Rutgers content. And that's where I will be writing up something about this game after previewing this game and, and recapping it for whatever it may be. Again, it could go yeah. any which way. So and both sides should be excited, I think. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. And gang, we will be back tomorrow. Hunter Stahl of PFF. He will be joining us to break down the top graders on defense and offense so far this season for Michigan State. But until then, hey, enjoy the rest of your day. Love you all. Go Green.